You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music! I'm your host, Brent Simmons. In the studio with me today is Ken Case, CEO of the Omni Group. On January 28th, we published the Omni Roadmap for 2019 on our blog. We looked back at the previous year, and we look forward to the new year. We're going to talk more about the roadmap today. Uh, Say hello, Ken. Hello, Ken. So, how'd we do in 2018? It seems like we shipped some pretty major stuff, starting with Omni Outliner 3 for iOS, uh, which is the last thing I actually worked on as an engineer. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny putting together this year's roadmap and realizing just how much we had done since the beginning of the year. Mm. Omni Outliner 3 seemed like an awfully long time ago by now, oh, at this yeah, point. for sure. But, but yeah, it was a pretty big release for Outliner, an important one, where we brought uh, Omni Outliner Essentials over to iOS mm-hmm. with their new pricing there. And that also sort of completed our transition to free downloads across all platforms. All right, so, okay. Being yeah. able to do free trials everywhere and upgrade pricing and all of that. Yeah, so. that was a big deal. I remember uh, as an engineer also working a lot on um, parity with the Mac for Omni Outliner 3. So there were a number of changes to make things work a little bit more similarly in ways that made sense. And it's been a while now, and I don't remember all of it. <laughs> a lot has happened since. Yeah. Uh, well, and we did the three-pane view, and we... Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. It was a very full year, and our attention after shipping that didn't stay too focused on that because we were busy thinking about the next things, which in this case was OmniFocus 3, really. Mm-hmm. the major focus through the rest of the year. Although we had some updates to OmniGraffle, to OmniPlan, uh, some nice feature releases there. But a lot of attention was around OmniFocus 3 this year. Sure. And let's see, iOS came out in May or June. I can't remember. It seemed like early summer, late spring. It was right before WWDC. Right, okay, <laughs> so that would have been May. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's a classic thing that Mac and iOS developers do, release right before WWDC. Yeah, well, and, uh, you'd want to have your plates at least somewhat cleared off sure. for whatever Apple's going to throw at it mm. when you get there. So. Yeah, and, and you might imagine that we at the Omni Group get advance notice of everything, but of course we don't. Uh, it's, it's a surprise to us, too. We get advance notice at the keynote. Yeah, right. <laughs> With everyone else. We, you know, um, and frankly, I talk to people at Apple, and they're like, yeah, that's when we learn about it, too. <laughs> right. Unless you're actually on one of those teams, uh, you, you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it seemed like a lot of uh, Apple people were surprised by the technology to bring iOS apps to the Mac, for example. Oh, right, sure. Yeah. And speaking of that, is that something we're going to be investigating? Do you, do you expect? Obviously, we don't have much in the way of details and won't for another six months or whatever. Uh, I think that's less important for us uh, as developers who started on the Mac and then brought everything to iOS. But I certainly see the value of it in the ecosystem for developers who have primarily been on iOS and maybe haven't even thought about the Mac because it was just enough different, didn't seem mm-hmm. like a large enough audience to be worth spending time with. Now, if it's just an easy compile and a little bit of testing and you know maybe adding menus or whatever right. away, maybe we'll get apps from our banks or uh, oh sure yeah or light bulb makers or whatever <laughs> right. else right. right. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see what happens. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I can see how it doesn't do a lot for us since we're so into the Mac already, always have been, but yeah. Right, and stuff that's designed for the Mac first really 
is going to have a different set of capabilities and stuff that you just sort of brought back from iOS, I think, like a better experience for multiple windows and so on. Oh, sure. So how did the OmniFocus 3 for Mac and iOS releases go? Uh, Mac came out in September, I think it was. Yeah, well, it shipped right with Mojave. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So so those are the two sort of landmarks you can pin both of those releases Mm -hmm. to, WWDC and Mojave. And, uh, you know, kind of bookends of the summer. Mm-hmm. And both have been very popular releases. A lot of great new functionality. People have been asking us for tags for forever. Oh, sure. And people yeah. have been asking for richer notifications, for better repeat mm-hmm. options, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. And that's what we delivered with OmniFocus 3 yeah. this year. So very good, successful release. We still have a lot more to do that we didn't get to everything that we started working on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what we're working on. I think it's worth noting that a mature app, and OmniFocus is 10 years old or so, isn't probably going to change dramatically, even in a major release. You know, it may look rather similar, but but the changes that are made are actually hugely important. Yeah, and the changes in this case were a little more dramatic on iOS than they were on Mac, mm-hmm. because uh, in terms of the interface, since on iOS, we added the three-pane view that we had brought to all of our other apps already. Right. So you now have an inspector, and, you know, that gave us multi-selection capabilities on both iPhone and iPad, which was another popular oh, right, sure. request. Didn't matter much to the Mac folks because they've had it since version 1.0. But right. <laughs> since it's such a normal Mac thing already. Yeah. Right. right. So when did we decide to start working on OmniFocus for the web? Well, we originally started working on OmniFocus for the web almost 10 years ago between OmniFocus 1 and OmniFocus 2. Okay. And then the iPad was announced and we decided we would uh, shift our focus and mm-hmm. instead work on native apps for the iPad. So in our iPad or bust initiative. And so that project ended up going on hold. Uh, mm-hmm. The person we hired to work on it ended up becoming an iOS and Mac developer and right, now yeah. works on our native apps instead. But that project has been long in the making, but we revived it recently. I, I mean, I think we went into more history about this in, uh, in one of our recent. Uh, yeah. And uh, how episodes. we build OmniFocus. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah, I was just wondering, when did we decide to uh, restart it last year? When was go time? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, really in 2017. 2017, okay. And then we announced it last year. Mm -hmm. Now it'll be shipping soon. Yeah, right. So testing's been going on since, seems like summertime. Yeah, late summer. Yeah, okay. Mid mid to late summer. I think we started at the end of July with our very first testers, but we only had a handful uh, you know, maybe up to a few dozen by the end of August. Mm-hmm. And then we really started picking up the pace and inviting 10 a day or a week or whatever, oh, and, yeah, right. and then a hundred a week and then a thousand a week. Mm-hmm. Have there been any, uh, any big surprises, especially since the last time we talked about this, which was October probably? Well, I suppose the surprise that just came in the last week was we just got new guidelines for how subscriptions are supposed to be presented on iOS. Oh, right, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that's really great to have that guidance now, and I'm glad Apple has put it out there. I wish I'd had it a few months ago, or mm-hmm. we'd had it a few months ago when we were working on designs for this, but I'm glad that we can rework it now before we ship rather than right afterward. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice thing. Or to get blocked in review or something because of it. It's a good reminder that a lot of the work for OmniFocus for the web is actually doing the in-app purchasing in our iOS app, I guess, at least at first. Right. Yeah. In fact, we wanted people to be able to use the in-app purchases that Apple provides already to buy OmniFocus for the web so they can mm. do their subscription there and have it cover all of the apps. 
So we built it into the iPhone and iPad app, the iOS app first, because that is the version of the app that most of our customers have access to. Okay. Greatest number, especially with OmniFocus for the web. Part of the reason we're building it is because some of those customers don't have access to a Mac and we Mm -hmm. want them to be able to use it on Windows. And sure. Where are they going to go do this payment? Well, either we could set up something directly on our website, and we do want to do that, I think, eventually. Mm-hmm. But right now, our, our first focus was, well, let's, let's get it in the app itself as an in-app purchase so that people know what all of their purchasing options are when they make a purchasing decision. That makes sense. I, I've seen that there's a fair amount of thought and design work and everything that goes into all of, all of this. Are, are you writing the actual code for the in-app purchasing parts? or is Mostly not. I, yeah. A few little bits and pieces early on, but now that's mostly the OmniFocus team itself. Now that they have finished with their work on shipping OmniFocus 3 for Mac and a few Mm -hmm. quick updates, like the notifications update that just came out, then that's where their attention is turned, getting the subscription stuff working. I assume that's getting close to being done, finally, hopefully. Very very close. Yes. (laughs) Right on. So we didn't do major releases of OmniGraph or OmniPlan, but... um, what what were some of the important features we nonetheless shipped? I, I think immediately of OmniPlan and their work with the syncing um, and sharing stuff. Yeah, we spent a lot of the year thinking about, in that team, thinking about how can we make syncing and sharing a little bit clearer to everybody mm-hmm. because it has been an area that's been a bit confusing. Uh, syncing and sharing in OmniPlan, it's, it's the one app that we build right now that supports collaboration. So. Okay. So we have two different use cases for how you might, why you might want to sync a document from one machine to another. One where I just want to sync it with myself to have the same document on all, all devices. Sure. And that can happen through iCloud or whatever. That mm-hmm. doesn't require anything too special. But we also have this other mode of syncing changes where in fact, you're publishing what changed and other people can review those changes and understand what they are. And so we want okay. to be sort of clearer about what you're doing in each of those modes and how to set it up and mm-hmm. when you should use one or the other. And that was a big push was to get that mm-hmm. sort of all, all the terminology squared away. All <laughs> oh, right. Sure. Yeah. And then OmniGraph will got some new things, including dark mode support, which I think just completely makes sense for OmniGraph. And it looks fantastic too. And there were something like what, 15 updates for OmniGraph over the last year. No, it was more than that. It was more like 20, yeah, 20 wow. different updates. And so, it's been a very busy year for that team, even yeah. if we weren't shipping, say, OmniGraph later. Yeah, it's been a busy year for everybody. Yeah, yes. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of new stuff. And it's the first full entire year of the Omni show last year, which has been really fun for me. And uh, I, lo- I liked that you mentioned it on the roadmap. And one of my favorite things about it is, is what you mentioned, that we get to learn things about our, our coworkers. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, there were a lot of great shows both about coworkers, about the products that we were doing, special mm. things about our sort of previews of what, what was going to be coming up with tags or with custom perspectives. Right. Yeah, it's been a fun show. So let's talk about 2019. We've already shipped uh, an important new update to OmniFocus. OmniFocus 3.2 for Mac includes notifications, including um, some ability to customize notifications. I imagine that was something, one of those many things that you hope will come out in, in the initial shipping version, but then you or you can get to as soon as you can afterwards. Yeah, well, we had plans for doing it one way that were in place at the beginning of the summer. And then when we went to WWDC, we learned from Apple that Mojave would have a whole new notification system. 
Uh, well, of course, <laughs> available, which was mm. much more flexible and powerful than than what was available to us before in earlier versions of the operating system. Mm. So this would yeah. let us, for example, schedule notifications that could happen while the app is not running. Oh, okay. which has been a common feature request. Like, why is it that when I quit OmniFocus and I don't get my oh, notifications right. anymore? Right. Like, well, because OmniFocus isn't running to give you those notifications. Right. Uh, what's the reason? But now, now they can because they can schedule it with the operating system and it, the operating system will just provide it. And if you then click on the notification, it will launch the app and, and bring you back to that task. Mm-hmm. So, so that's great. But that meant that we were now building this whole thing sort of from scratch again <laughs> uh, you know, right. in a different yeah. way than we were. Fortunately, it is much more, you know, this design is taken from iOS. So there was opportunity to share more code with the code we already had on iOS and so on. But oh, we didn't great. have time really to finish that whole thing unless we wanted to delay all of OmniFocus shipping until, well, until this month. Right. Because right. Right. It, it takes just as long to build this stuff either way. It's just who's willing to live without that feature and, mm-hmm. and adopt it earlier or who wants to wait? Well, it's here now. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah, that's right. A nice way to start off the year. I mean, getting something important done right off the bat. Yeah, it's a good feature. So OmniFocus for the web is that the next big thing that we ship. It seems obvious it probably is. but When I wrote this roadmap, there was one more release that went out the door, just the blog post right before it. And that, mm-hmm. that morning, OmniPlan shipped their dark mode. Oh, update. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, which has much better screenshots than anything in my roadmap. <laughs> nice, beautiful picture there. But yeah, so we have that OmniPlan update. We have an OmniGraffle update as well. It's being wrapped up where you can finally wrap text within a shape. Oh, yeah. I'm so looking forward to that. Yeah. Star-shaped shape or mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever, or smiley face, and, and the text will... So all three of those things will have shipped before OmniFocus of the Web does, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. But OmniFocus of the Web is coming soon, as soon as we finish that subscription work that we... Mm-hmm alluded to and it's important to uh remind people if this is the first time they've heard about subscriptions and omni is that it's an optional thing we're still committed to if you just want the ios or the mac app or the both of them you can buy them just as you always have absolutely but the web app requires a subscription because it's an ongoing service and if you want you can do a subscription that gets you all three platforms in one but you don't have to (laughs) <laughs> which has been a popular request for some time. Like a lot of mm-hmm. customers have asked, well, can you just charge me one price for everything? And, right. and our answer in the past has been, well, that's the app store doesn't really work that way. Right. The two app stores are both completely independent and we currently don't do any sort of product registration when you buy something from the app store. So we don't even know if you bought it and how would we unlock the, the other platform and, right, and so yeah, on. Makes sense. So as part of this work, of course, subscriptions doesn't just mean accepting payments from people for subscriptions. It also means setting it back in systems to start tracking who has an active subscription and when did they cancel or renew or and what exactly does it cover and then making sure all of the apps unlock with it. And oh, sure. A whole new thing for us. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's quite a bit a of big work. Big project. Yeah. All, almost completely behind the scenes. But yes, it, it is also going to be optional that we're committed to providing both experiences. Some people have been asking us for subscriptions for a long time, and especially subscriptions that would cover everything. And others have told us that, you know, if we ever go subscription, that's the last we'll see of them. That yeah, they're not, right. That it, they would prefer to buy something once and then just keep using it and treat it as an investment. And that's the way I prefer to look at software myself. So, mm-hmm. so I completely understand that perspective. It does seem to bring out some strong feelings in people, yeah. for sure. So we've got everybody covered. Don't anybody worry. 
<laughs> That's hope. We're all good. Yep. We've also been, and this this is probably more back end stuff. Uh, site licensing for the iOS apps. We've shipped that in a couple apps so far. One app so far. One app so far. OmniGraffle for iOS now supports mm-hmm. site licenses. So our business customers, for example, can talk to us and get a license that covers their whole site. And then they can set up each of their people with a free download that then unlocks as they log into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another sort of related big system, mostly behind the scenes. Right. It shouldn't affect anyone who, who doesn't care about it. But yeah. the people who do care about it, well, it enables us to start working with them. So some other ongoing things. OmniJS automation is still to come for OmniFocus and OmniPlan, I think. Yes. OmniJS stands for OmniJavaScript. It's really our JavaScript-based automation. It's just the standard JavaScript language. But instead of talking to a web browser or running it in a web browser, you're running it inside our apps. And so the APIs that are available are the standard JavaScript APIs plus uh, instead of like a web page document object model, there is a document object model for whichever app of ours you're using at the time. So there will be a Graffle Canvas, for example, or Omni Outliner has items in it. Mm-hmm. And we shipped that for Omni Graffle and Omni Outliner. What was that last year? It was the year before. I think that was the year before. Could have been the year before, yeah. <laughs> when we, yeah. Uh, at least the start of it. Yes, it was, yeah. because we talked about it in last year's roadmap. Then this year we're bringing that to Omni Focus and Omni Plan. And in fact, our teams, you know, Tim is working on OmniFocus right now and Greg is working on OmniPlan. So both of us expect to get done relatively early in the year. Oh, that's great. Uh, Another big thing is uh, collaboration for OmniFocus. Uh, I know we've talked about it before. Can you remind people how that will work? Sure. So uh, for those who who want the longer thing, we, we talked about it in last year's roadmap. But the quick summary is... We have known for a while that people want to be able to share tasks, of course, between databases. And we have talked about, well, how does that look? Do you just share your whole database? Well, I've got things in my database that, you know, I might want to share tasks with my wife, but I don't want to share the tasks to buy her a birthday present or something or a project Mm, in there. So I really want to do some selective sharing. I guess the other piece of this is that the way I organize my database, the tags I use, the projects I use, and so on, may not look anything like the way the person I'm sharing with organizes their own database. Mm -hmm. So we may have common tasks that get shared between the two and you want the status to get relayed back and forth, but I don't necessarily want my organization to have to reflect your organization or vice versa. Right. So we will be sharing tasks between databases and that's really, uh, they can be in different projects, have different tags Yeah, where I put it in my database has nothing to do with where you might decide to put it. I get it. But that makes sense. But when you complete it, then it should show up as completed in mine. Mm -hmm. So I also read in that roadmap that we're focusing not just on new features, but on things like user interface flow, uh, keyboard navigation on iOS, bugs, performance, integration, all those kind of stuff. Just bringing up the quality level, I guess, trying to take it to the next level. Yeah, well, there are always a a million things that as you're working on a project, you want to spend some more time doing. But if you're working towards trying to, you know, get this ship before WWDC or get this shipped Mm -hmm. as Mojave ships or whatever, that you don't necessarily have time to pause and do each one of those things or, or it might never ship. (laughs) It would take take forever to get done. So this year we're going to go back and take a look at some of those things that, Mm -hmm. that we've often wanted to do as we were going along, but we just didn't have time if we were going to try to meet the schedule that we had planned on. Mm -hmm. So, so that includes things like better keyboard shortcuts on the iPad, you know, especially now with, 
the iPad Pro, I think it's a pretty common layout for people to have a keyboard attached to it. They may not use it all the time. I've got my iPad Pro right here, and I've got my Apple Pencil snapped to the side, and I've got the keyboard folded underneath, mm. but sometimes I'll flip it around and pull that keyboard out, and I'll start typing on it. Right. It would be nice if I didn't have to then reach for the screen every time I switch fields. or mm-hmm. So we want to improve keyboard navigation. We want to improve... Just lots of little details. Sure. <laughs> yeah, the way people get around in the app, fewer taps, whatever, yeah. that kind of, those kind of stuff. And it's always a good time to take a, a breath and fix bugs, make things faster. Well, uh, making things faster is always together. nice for everyone. Yeah. Find tracking down crashes, you know, oh, yeah. particularly things that we haven't been able to reproduce before, but we hadn't had time to just sit down and, okay, how, how could this possibly get into this situation? Right, yeah. So all of those things take time. Yep. Uh, and so... I wanted to reserve some time this year to do that. Cool. I have a bunch of listener questions. One, two, three, four, five, six. I have eight listener questions. All right. So let's go through these. All right. So, so Scott, if we cut any of them, they'll know now. All right. <laughs> cut the part. If we cut any, cut the part where I said eight. <laughs> yeah. So we have listener questions. Scotty Jackson asks, I'd love to hear a bit more about flow improvements and keyboard optimizations. Maybe some examples of things he has in mind. When I think about how I use a keyboard, you know, I love using a keyboard on my Mac. I did not start out using it as much on the iPad, except when I was actually typing text. But I didn't mm. use it for navigation because really a lot of the iPad interface doesn't let you get very far that way. Right. Like it used to be that you couldn't even launch an app through the keyboard alone. You could type the name mm-hmm. and then you'd hit return and it would just sit there and you'd have to reach up and tap. <laughs> well, that, that's now fixed finally. You can type uh, command space and you can type an app name. You can hit return. You can get in, into the app. So I would love to have things like Quick Open, um, the equivalent of what we do on the Mac with Quick Open where you can hit a keyboard shortcut and then start typing the name of a project uh, or oh, just cool. a few characters from it and it will... Mm-hmm. Um, show you a list of matches and you, then you can use your up and down arrow keys to pick the one that's the closest match and mm-hmm. hit return and, and get there. I would love to make it so that you can already navigate lists to some extent with up and down arrows and so mm-hmm. on, but it's awkward then if you want to jump from the list to the inspector and actually start editing the fields. Right. Okay. In my ideal world, you shouldn't have to be reaching up for the screen unless you want to um, mm-hmm. in order to be more efficient than navigation through the keyboard. But anytime you feel like you're doing that, that seems like kind of a mistake. Right. It is slightly ironic to me, though, that with these great, amazing, big, beautiful touch devices, people are asking for keyboard navigations. So they don't <laughs> actually touch them. But I get it. It makes sense. It's, there's just a slight irony about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to give up my mouse on a Mac either or trackpad, but right, sure, yeah. it does annoy me a little bit every time I have to reach over for it when I'm in the middle of using the keyboard. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. In fact, on a Mac, I turn on keyboard navigation of control so I can tab to buttons and hit the space bar oh, yeah. to mm-hmm. activate them and so on. And People like their keyboards. I, I certainly love it. mine. Yeah. <laughs> At home, I'm still running a 1995 Apple, uh, Mechanical keyboard. Nice. Because I love that particular keyboard. (laughs) It's amazing. So Grant Buell on Twitter asks, very briefly, OmniFocus for Windows? Now, I know we've covered this before, but in case people don't know why we're not making OmniFocus for Windows, why is it? (laughs) Well, I suppose in a sense, we just made OmniFocus for Windows, right? With OmniFocus for the web. Yeah. It's not exclusively for Windows. It's also for Linux. Mm but uh, it's or for the Mac, and not everyone at it's work true. can install whatever they want, right? 
Yeah. We're not really looking at the moment at any sort of native Windows app, if that was what the real question was. Mm. And that is because we've been programming now for the Objective-C AppKit, now Swift Mm -hmm. platform for 30 years. (laughs) And that's where our specialty is. Mm -hmm. So Tristan asks, how will we do the review about how users navigate our apps? Do we have metrics or plans for specific types of user testing? You know, how do we get that feedback? Sure. When we've done this before, one of the best ways to get that kind of feedback is to sit down with a user and ask them to do some tasks mm-hmm. in the app and sometimes provide them with some guidance or sometimes just not to find out oh, what, what do they do when they try to figure it out on their own mm-hmm. and then just watch what they do and take notes and look at what they go for first, uh, where they end up having to backtrack, where they didn't discover the affordances that we put in maybe right. that we thought were going to help them and, and they just never went that way because they didn't know about it or didn't see it or, or maybe they just, that wasn't what felt natural to them. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to quantify some of those things. I mean, you can, you can do it, you can measure it and so on, but it's most subjective research. That doesn't mean that you can't, uh, I guess, still make useful notes out of it and learn, learn mm-hmm. interesting lessons. Uh, but we're not, uh, some web companies, for instance, will do like AB testing on their sites, you know, and things like that. I've seen only rarely in native apps, like what we would write. So I can't imagine we'd ever. Yeah, it could be done. Yeah. yeah, it could be done. <laughs> yeah, that's not the way Seems I'm inclined unlikely, to think. I feel like is the right way to get to the best result. It's mm-hmm. a way to maybe choose between two bad results. Or right, you don't really sure, have. right. Tristan also asks, "Will we get a back button in OmniFocus three? I assume for iOS. Well, maybe not though. Well, it could be Mac. Yeah, I mean, we sort of have one in iOS for a lot of interactions. Like as you mm-hmm. delve down into things, you'll uh, there's a back button that takes you back up." Right, sure. Uh, maybe so it is a Mac question. It might be a little awkward if you had a second back button that would take you somewhere else. Over. But maybe his right. note, his question is more about if you're following a link mm. from one place to another or if you switch perspectives. Yeah, sure. Uh, and in those cases, I could imagine a back button being useful or a back keyboard shortcut if a button doesn't make sense. Right. Or, I know over the years we've had, certainly had requests for it on, on Mac and on iOS. Mm-hmm. I guess really about that perspective jumping right. sort of thing. Okay. I followed a link or I followed a shortcut and I went somewhere and now I want to just go back to right where I was. Sure. Um, I'm not promising that's <laughs> going to be our top priority this sure, year or anything, right. but it's certainly one of the things we'll consider in the mix as we look yeah. at. It's other, easy to see how that would be useful. So, yeah. yeah. Kenan Bickhart asks in roughly what part of the year will OmniJS ship? And oh, I, I guess s- I kind of covered that. Yeah. We're working on that right now. Mm-hmm. And so I expect it to ship in the early part of this year. <laughs> okay. Early part of this year. Javier Matusevich asks, which new feature of OmniFocus will ship first? And he's probably talking about OmniJS versus collaboration in this question. So what's oh, okay. likely to come first? I'm going to guess OmniJS. We started working on collaboration about three years ago, <laughs> and, oh, right. and some pieces were already built, and some pieces, in fact, have been deployed to the server to help support this. But we had to put that on hold as we worked on other things. Mm-hmm. And so right now, the other thing that has the attention of the folks who will be working on that again soon is the subscription stuff. Work. Mm-hmm. But, but that uh, requires a lot more thoughtful design and experimentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Not that that isn't also important with, you know, designing the automation stuff that we're doing JavaScript. But a lot but, of that is API design as opposed to user interface. Yeah, right? and a lot of it we already designed and spent mm-hmm. time on because we designed the API for AppleScript. And that sort right. of okay. gave us a good model of, okay, here you know, you have projects that are live inside folders and mm-hmm. contain tasks and have do things and whatever else. So yeah, Makes sense. Matt Shanley asks a pretty general question. How do you balance investment in existing products versus new ideas for products? And I think he means ideas for new products. Sure. I love building new products, but it's an easy way to get spread too thin. Mm-hmm. Sure. So when we started iPad or Bust, we had five products, actually. We had you know, OmniFocus, OmniGraffle, OmniOutliner, OmniPlan. That's just an alphabetical order, by the way. <laughs> and, <laughs> and OmniGraph Sketcher. Right. Uh, and we did a lot of work on all of those, brought them all to the iPad and continued maintaining them. But as the operating system, both on Mac and iOS, kept shifting out around underneath us with adding sandboxing and stuff on the Mac, going 64-bit mm-hmm. on both platforms, lots of other transitions, we ended up realizing we didn't have time to keep up with everything at once. So we had to focus down. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, GraphSketcher, you know, we released it as open source because we felt good about what was there and it was useful, but we didn't have time to keep it up. Sure. So at the moment, that's sort of where we are. I think with the products we have, they are enough to keep us plenty busy yeah, as, as we've seen. Well, uh, at yeah. some point I would love to do some more products and I certainly have other things in mind. And I still have, in fact, older projects that I've worked on that I would love to get back to like OmniWeb. Oh yeah. Which, right. You know, now hitting its 25th anniversary this year. I was, I was <laughs> just looking at our website stats. People are still doing searches on OmniWeb and coming to our site. And it apparently is still in the minds, if not just us. Yeah, every time I post about OmniFocus for the web, it, some people are like, oh, I thought you said OmniWeb. Uh, <laughs> right. So uh, Rose Orchard, and this is the last question, asks, I'd love to hear how the roadmap is formed, who talks to who, how decisions are made, etc." Well, some of that, some of the roadmap, of course, happens just throughout the year as we think about what are the needs that we don't have time to get to this year? But I'm responsible for putting together the roadmap. I sent email to everybody in the company in mid-December asking folks what they wanted me to be thinking about as I planned the roadmap and you know, read through that feedback over the break, did some thinking about it. Of course, talked with some customers as I could, mm-hmm. as I had contact with them, and then had more in-person meetings with people, particularly the PMs, uh, but also some folks from support, folks from UX, Mm. really from anywhere in the engineers, anywhere in the company. Some of the things we talked about were really more internally focused roadmap things like Mm. how do we manage our project source control and so on, uh, which uh, don't go into our public roadmap because it's not really relevant to (laughs) our customers. But um, But are we switching to Git? But that's a question for another occasion. Um, Xcode no longer supports the version. That's making yeah, life a little bit hard for people who are, who are on it. Yeah. But yeah, so we, we go through those phases of feedback and then start writing up ideas and then talk with each of the PMs about what I've written down. Does that look okay to them? And, mm-hmm. and then here we are. Yep. Cool. Now, and that's how it happens. And then we... <laughs> What we usually do a, a revisiting like in the fall, I think it seems like yeah. in the last few years, it seems yeah. like once we have finished the summer's uh, madness of oh, trying yeah, to right. adapt to whatever Apple has 
thrown at us in mm-hmm. WWDC and then that we had to have ready to ship by the beginning of fall. Right. Then once that's done, uh, it's kind of time to take stock again and decide, okay, well, where are we with respect to what we published at the beginning of the year? What's mm-hmm. going to get done or what's not going to get done and what new things have been added. Yeah. So, so yeah, I've often been doing a fall update. I read on Mac rumors just today that dark mode is coming for iOS 13. So oh, there's well, our summer right there. Never, we got early advanced notice here. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of course, just a rumor. Who yes. knows? <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Ken. How can people find you on the web? They can find me. You can go to this blog book. <laughs> yeah, right. You can go to omnigroup.com and uh, follow the links to our blog. Mm-hmm. You can also find me on Twitter at KCase, my first initial and last name, K-C-A-S-E. And finally, you can email me directly at my initials, KC, at omnigroup.com. I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music. Music.